0: Hello and welcome to LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma and you're listening to Employment Notebook. Now today we're taking a look at employee wellness programs and figuring out whether or not they're actually worth it for the employer to run. To get into some of the details about the pros and cons, we have Adam Levinson on the phone. Adam is the community manager for the online Master of Health Administration program over at the Milken Institute School of Public Health and that's at George Washington University. Adam, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Thank you. Now, this topic has come up more recently, at least from what I've seen. Maybe it's because summer's right around the corner, that sort of thing. But the idea of health and wellness, and as it relates to the workplace, and even more specifically, how employers might be able to help in that regard. I guess the first question I wanted to ask, though, was in general, why is it you think people look at health and wellness as actually being a part of their work life, so to speak?
1: yeah I think that's a really great question, and I would say that there are a couple of driving forces, some from the employer side and some from the employee side. On the employer side, companies, especially since the Affordable Care Act, have looked for ways to cut costs and increase productivity. Mm-hmm. and wellness programs are are one way that they can theoretically do that. So recently, um, you know employers are starting to make it very clear that wellness is an important part of their culture and, you know, and a very important part of work life. And, you know, from the employee side, the more wellness programs and health initiatives become more commonplace, the more employees expect to see these types of things in the workplace. So, you know, for example, I'm a millennial and, and most of my friends are millennials. Mm-hmm. And I would say access to wellness resources can play a significant role in choosing what company or organization to work for.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think it does make sense. And it does relate a lot to what people are looking for today, like you said. Let's look at it from the employer's point of view then. Why would you say employers would be or should be interested or care about a person's health and wellness? I know you touched on a little bit there, but maybe a little more detail.
1: I would say employers are interested in a person's health or wellness for a variety of reasons. The first is that they sort of have to under the Affordable Care Act, you know, any employer with 50 or more full-time employees is essentially mandated to provide health insurance coverage. Hmm. And now that these companies you know, have to pay for people's health insurance, they want to make sure that their employees are living healthy lifestyles to keep those costs down. And it's not just that they have to. A lot of employee, employers want to, too. And, and why? It's because poor employee health leads to lost productivity. You know, workers who don't take care of themselves are more likely to get sick neither have to take time off to recover or simply aren't functioning at their highest level.
0: Right. How would then you describe overall what a wellness program is to the listeners and what its goals might be? I mean, you touched on some of the reasons why an employer might want to do it, but what would you really kind of break down as far as what the program is and its goals are?
1: Sure. I, you know, there are definitely a variety of definitions um, about what workplace wellness programs is. But I think the easiest is just to use the definition that the CDC uses. And, and they, des- they define a wellness program as a health promotion activity or organization-wide policy designed to support healthy behavior and improve health outcomes. So these programs typically target either you know, a desired lifestyle modification, mm-hmm. like quitting smoking, or starting a fitness program or chronic disease management, such as high blood pressure or blood sugar monitoring. And, you know, the goal of these programs is to essentially improve employee health and as a result, the company's bottom line through reduced healthcare costs and less absenteeism.
0: Um, Are there any other different ways employers, either you've seen that they have provided uh, sort of different programs might be, I mean, I know, again, you touched on it there as far as it might be that change in behavior but any other like little things that would be considered wellness programs or anything else that you might find uh interesting for the listeners to hear.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I think, you know, in regards to how these programs are implemented, it varies quite a bit in you really can break it down into three different categories. Okay. So first, you have programs that encourage positive health behavior, you know, things like discounted gym memberships, hmm. cash incentives. We've heard of, you know, I've heard of companies that provide cash incentives for biking to work rather than driving your car. Sure. A lot of companies provide fresh fruits and vegetables for employees to snack on, you know, all of those kind of things come to mind and fit into that first bucket. I would say the second category is that there are programs that try to modify unhealthy lifestyle choices. You know, for example, many employers offer smoking cessation programs. Often in these types of cases in regards to lifestyle modification, you know, the employers couple those couple the programs with policies, you know, limiting where employees can actually partake in those unhealthy behaviors. So, for example, employees may not be able to smoke on the premises of their workplace. And that's coupled with, you know, perhaps some sort of counseling given to, to employees who are looking to quit smoking. Okay. And then finally, I would say the third category is, is risk mitigation. So there are many companies that incentivize employees to participate in you know, a variety of health screenings, especially for preventable chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and high blood pressure.
0: Sure. And obviously, uh, yeah, those things being on that uh, high risk scale, as you mentioned there, I think, uh, as you mentioned a couple of times, it, it goes both ways as far as helping the employer and then, of course, the employee as well. But we do want to talk about this and make people aware of some of the items that are out there. Along with those three sort of areas you mentioned, uh, what are some additional benefits to creating an actual wellness program? I know you touched on some in an article you wrote, and I was just hoping you could share that with the listeners.
1: I can definitely touch upon two different benefits the first being culture. So, culture can definitely be impacted by wellness programs. Um, There was a study conducted in, I want to say, 2014 where some 87% of the employees indicated that wellness programs positively impacted workplace culture. Hmm. And you know, while the study doesn't conclusively explain why this is so, the thinking here is that a commitment to wellness leads to a healthy workforce. And the employees are not only healthier, but they're happier, which overall boosts company morale and sure. you know, inner employee relationships. Okay. And then the second would be productivity, and this is something that we I read a lot about. So you know, in regards to, to productivity, it's pretty straightforward. The more employees invest in their in their own health, the less likely they are to get sick. So, for example, I'm not sure. Have you heard of the telecommunications company Pacific Bell, their subsidiary of ATT? I'm yep. not sure if that's
0: yep. I okay. Heard of them.
1: Great. Yeah. So the, yeah. So they're headquartered in San Francisco. Um, in any case, they did an internal study. After implementing a company-wide fitness program, and after implementing this program, employee absenteeism decreased by over eight percent, which led to I think somewhere near two million dollars saved. Or oh, wow. you know another way to look at it, yeah, pretty pretty significant. Yeah. Obviously, they got all those hours back that they would have lost to sickness had they not had that program. So you know, productivity is definitely a strong reason to potentially implement a workplace wellness program.
0: Sure. And especially if you can break down the you know a, a quantity amount there, if you're talking about financially, if you're talking about the hours invested, I think that can really open the eyes to some employers when you're talking about these wellness programs. Uh, of course, there is criticism to these for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I think it's always fair to look at both sides of any topic. What are some of those criticisms that you've come across maybe personally or what you've seen, heard, talked to people about? That might crop up when we're talking about trying to create these wellness programs for people.
1: That was actually sort of part of the reason I wrote the article for Brazen is that mm-hmm. I thought it was really important to provide uh, you know kind of a balanced view on the topic. You know most of the things that you'll find out there are either sort of skew one way or the other. and I really wanted people to you know have the opportunity to see all of the information sort of laid out in one in one article. Right. So, for example, there are definitely a number of folks that say that wellness programs are discriminatory, really. Yes, they do. And and what sort of the argument here is that they say that wellness programs only benefit those people who are already living healthy active lifestyles and that the financial incentives that many companies offer to employees to get healthier are really financial penalties for workers who resist participation and, you know, who aren't as fit. And so the common the most commonly cited example in regards to discrimination involves employees with disabilities. And first of all, I'm not sure how many people know this, but many of the conditions targeted by wellness programs like obesity, Mm -hmm. hypertension, diabetes, and anxiety actually can qualify as a disability under the um, ADA. Right. This puts some, you know, these employees at a disadvantage. This is a disadvantage that these employers are legally obliged to accommodate, but they, you know, they aren't. Secondly, there are a number of disabilities that make reaching the specific health measurements required for financial incentives, impossible or impractical. So without allowing employees with disabilities to participate and get the same benefit from workplace wellness programs, Mm -hmm. incentives or disincentives for for participation may actually shift the burden of healthcare costs and unfairly and illegally to those already dealing with those issues. And then I guess the second major concern is privacy. And the privacy concerns are pretty straightforward and I think particularly present at companies that offer biometric screenings. Okay. So essentially the question, you know, many people find themselves asking is does my employer have the right to know how much I weigh, what kind of foods I'm eating, you know, what my blood pressure is? Those kind of questions. You know, where where do you where do you draw the line mm-hmm. essentially? Right. While technically most the way that most of these programs are structured, you don't have to share this information with with your employer. sometimes the incentives, the way that those are uh, lined out for employees they they kind of feel coerced into sharing this personal information. So in addition to having to share information that they may not necessarily be comfortable with, as we've you know read in the news, you know data breaches seem to just be unfortunately a reality in the modern business landscape. so employers are concerned not only about giving out this information, but how it's being stored, who has access to it, who could potentially access it, et cetera.
0: I like that you brought up that side of it. I think people might not take it to that level. As you said, they might not be comfortable or maybe they're fine with giving out that information to their employer, but you're right. It's a reality nowadays that you're kind of unsure how safe your information is. And if it is something like a wellness program versus, you know, financial data, who knows if the employer is going to secure that as well. I mean, I guess that's where I kind of see possibly the disconnect there.
1: Yeah, no, you're entirely correct there.
0: Now, some people will argue, and for either side, that health and someone's wellness is really, it's a personal responsibility. It's something the individual should worry about. And again, I can see where either side would argue this, whether it's somebody who doesn't want to participate or it's somebody who doesn't want to be punished in some way because, you know, everyone else isn't doing it. What would your response be to that for those that say it should all be an individual choice and the workplace should have nothing to do with health and wellness?
1: That's a tricky question because I understand where those folks are coming from. And, you know, many ways they're right that health is one's personal responsibility. I think on the, on the flip side, you know, people spend so much of their time at work and during that time they can develop habits that can be pretty harmful. Hmm. So, you know, for example, a lot of research lately has come out about the dangers of sitting all day, which most of us are accustomed to doing while we work. So, health and the workplace are, you know, for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, you know, in my opinion,
0: linked to one another. Sure. No, I think that's, I think it's a fair point, especially as you said, how much time many people spend at work um, in that way. Adam, I think you've given us some nice insight into the idea of the wellness programs. And of course, we hope that any employer out there is thinking about every side that they possibly can and if they're looking to implement it. If I'm going to put you on the spot overall, what would you say to employers regarding the use and the creation of wellness programs?
1: I would probably say, I'd probably give two pieces of advice. The first would be simply just to, to do your homework. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to podcasts, like, the, you know, listen to shows like this, you know, check out different resources to determine, A, what are you legally obligated to provide? You know, as I mentioned before, depending on the size of your company, you may have to provide health coverage or there might be incentives for you to provide various wellness programs also just to determine what types of programs exist out there and what might be a good fit for your company, you know, and then I'd say too, if you decide to move forward with a wellness initiative, you know, you, you have to make sure that the program fits your company culture or you're you're willing to make some changes to your com- company culture to jive with the wellness initiative you know the last thing you want is unhappy employees or even worse than some of the most extreme examples that i mentioned before a discrimination lawsuit so you know i guess the best way to illustrate this is to use a pretty simple example so you have two companies a and b they're essentially the same company they sell the same things have the same number of employees what have you you know however Company B really values flexibility and work-life balance, while Company A expects you to work a pretty rigid, you know, nine to five, nine to six kind of day. And so, both companies implement a wellness program with free exercise classes for employees. In the end, B's program, will, I mean, Company B's program, will likely be more successful because their culture actually encourages employees to take breaks that it's okay for them to go to class in the middle of the day. So you just want to make sure that whatever your, you know, your values and the programs that you're, you know, implemented align um, so they actually can be successful.
0: I think that's a great way to look at as far as that big picture goes. And of course, as we, again, we hope everyone knows one size does not fit all. So as Adam mentioned there, really find out what's going to fit best for you and your organization. Adam, thanks a lot for joining us today and sharing some of your experience and your insight into this topic. We do appreciate it.
1: Oh, you're very welcome.
0: And with that, we will close out this edition of Employment Notebook and our examination of whether or not those wellness programs are really worth it for employers when they're trying to keep their employees happy and healthy. We are speaking with Adam Levinson. He's the community manager... For the online Master of Health Administration program, once again, that's at the Milken Institute School of Public Health at George Washington University. If you have any suggestions for a future topic, send us an email, Radio at localjobnetwork.com or send us a message on Twitter, at the LJN, and you can find all of our shows on iTunes as well. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.